Hello, sunshine. Welcome back to Wild and Pure Podcast. We are going to be continuing to talk about the shit that nobody talks about. I'm your host, hot mess mom of two, single mom of two. My name is Tiffany. I have been through divorce and bankruptcy and abuse and... (laughs) car repossessions, and I have been lost before in life. And so my purpose is to be there for other moms who are feeling lost to help them find themselves again. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'm actually on a trip right now. You can probably hear me driving and I am rolling with it. I just, I really feel like I need to keep moving forward, literally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And so this podcast is literally while I'm on the road driving to see my kids. And I have two kids. They are six and eight. And I had my kids at 22 and 24 years old. And so, um, If you watched my live video on Instagram this morning, I was talking about mountains that you faced and how to, how you've already overcome so many mountains in your life. And if you're facing another mountain in your life and you're scared and overwhelmed and you feel lost and don't know where the fuck you're going, this is for you. So as I'm on a trip, I have felt like I've been tripping (laughs) and I'm getting all these different alignments and synchronicities from the universe. I keep seeing the number 44 everywhere today and 33. Um, I keep seeing 111, like literally all of them, 888, like so many. I started a list and I had to like stop because there were so many and I'm trying to focus on the road. (laughs) And sometimes it's good to just listen to your intuition, tap into your spirituality. And so that's what I've been doing. And that's actually why I love driving places instead of flying. Someone asked me the other day, why don't you just fly to Vegas? It's like a 45 minute flight. And I'm like, yeah, but I love road trips. I love driving because my mind is not distracted by all the things in life. I'm not worrying about messes that I need to clean up. I'm not worried about um, anything other than just like, my mind is just wandering. And I have so many breakthroughs when I'm on road trips. And so that's why I'm doing live videos. I actually pulled off on the side of the road today because I was crying and I wanted to be able to focus and Right now, I'm doing this podcast because I feel like I want to document this as part of my journey. And so what I wanted to talk to you about today is feeling lost. So as I was seeing these synchronicities, I was looking up the meaning of one, and it was talking about how this season is, it. it's important for me to focus on my spirituality. And For me, that's finding out who I truly am inside of me. You know, the things that you can't physically see about me, like who am I and strengthening that. And in this season of healing, as I've moved from Las Vegas to Salt Lake City 
and I haven't had my kids for a couple weeks and I've been recovering from surgery and just working on healing a lot of emotional trauma, I have realized how much I lost myself in motherhood and in my marriage. And so anyways, I was just, it was, I was looking up the meaning. It was talking about focusing on your spirituality and strengthening that. And then my friend Emily texted me and told me that her and her son Mason watched my live video on Instagram, which is um, Wild and Pure Collective. And she was telling me that, so I was crying and getting emotional. And she said, Mason just watched your video. And he said, can we give her a hug? Those are happy tears, mama. Those aren't sad tears. He's so cute. And she's told me before how he's very in tune with like the spiritual world. Like he is, and I hope she doesn't mind that I share this, but he's able to connect with the spiritual world. And I won't like go into all the details because those aren't mine to share, but it's just so powerful and such a good reminder that we all have that power and potential to tap into our spirituality. But as we get older, there are certain parts of the spiritual realm that people will look at you like you're crazy if you start talking about it. And I know because I've talked to people about my spiritual journey and they literally sometimes look at me like I have four heads and I'm from another planet. And what I love about talking with children is most of them have no filters. They're not worrying what you're thinking. They just say whatever is on their mind. And so I... um. I'm kind of like, kind of all over the place, but I promise I have a direction. So while all this was happening and she was texting me, I was also connecting again with my purpose and reminding myself what I am here to do. And that is to help moms heal their inner child because, and I, I can help other people to heal their inner child. I'm just always drawn toward moms because that's where most of my experience has been where I've realized I needed to do some growth and healing in this area. And so I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about how, so I also at the same time, my friend Shy, who's a realtor in Las Vegas, I had asked him yesterday, how long after bankruptcy do I have to wait to buy a house? Cause I'm pretty sure it's two years. I didn't know if that was like a hard line or if it's kind of like a rule that we can kind of like then. Um, but yeah, he told me it's two years after bankruptcy. So I filed for bankruptcy August, 2020, which means I'm six months away from being able to buy a house. And I've shared this with a very few little amount of people, but my heart's desire is to be financially successful to the point where I could have a home or several homes to have a safe sanctuary for moms who would like to get away and take a little break so that they can focus on healing. Because the more that I have healed, the more I am present with my kids and showing up as the mom that I want to, the more that I release those things that are, I'm allowing to get in my way, like anger and like resentment and all this shit from my past, it's like I project that onto my kids and I don't want that. So the more I'm healing, the more I am just being light and love and 
teaching them lessons that, you know, sometimes our parents don't teach us or church didn't teach us or school didn't teach us. And so as all of this was happening, it was like all kind of like connected. I know like it seems like I'm all over the place, but that is my like goal is to get to a spot to where I can have a safe place for people to come get away for a couple months not have to worry about finances, not have to worry about working, not have to worry about parenting and adulting and all of that. And they can just come heal and connect with their inner child. They can play, they can get creative, they can explore passions and get crystal clear on what they actually want in life. Because that's the hardest question to answer is what do you actually want? And it's just like the notebook where it's like, it's not that simple. And that's literally how I feel sometimes. And especially if you're indecisive and you can't even freaking pick a restaurant to eat at, trying to figure out what you want to do with your life is huge. And so all of this was happening. And um, I was thinking about like Mason and other kids who are just so in tune with themselves and their spirituality And they're not worrying about what the world is going to think of them. They're just existing. They're just being themselves. And so I also believe in numerology and how, like for me, it's a way that I get a clear, direct communication from the universe and God and also my intuition. And so I like every time I see a number that stands out and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that angel number meaning is. I literally will go into Google or go into Pinterest and be like 44 angel number meaning. So anyways, Emily was telling me about her son saying all of this and he was aware that my tears were happy tears, which is so powerful because he's very young. And so I was like, Emily, this is going to sound so weird, but I know Mason is like, very tuned into the spiritual realm will you ask him what his favorite number is and she said 25 and one and so i looked up the meaning of those and i was just sharing that with her and um so number one is a sign of fresh beginnings and new beginnings and um it means like get ready something new is coming and it's time to begin a new chapter in your life. And if you think about it, when you're one years old, one year old, it's like a new start, like your first year of life, it's a celebration. And then 25, the angel number meaning is that you're struggling with something that does not want to come to an end. You're like fighting this, there's some kind of blockage and you're feeling ready to release it. And so the only way to do that is to change, right? Because Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So if you want different results, you have to change something. And that starts with changing your thoughts because your thoughts are going to create your reality. So then as I was kind of just like reflecting on this, like diving deeper, I was thinking if I were to know how I was feeling and what my thoughts were at one and Then thinking about how I felt and where I was at life at 25, what was the difference? And so for me, the first thing that came to mind when I was one, I asked my unconscious mind, how are you feeling at one? 
And the first thing that popped into my mind is I'm not alone. So at one, I just had a newborn sister. So my mom had me at 17 and then she had my sister at 18. So at my mom was 18 years old. I was one. I just had a sister. My mom has two kids, 18 years old, like at the start of your adult life. And I can only imagine how lost my mom felt, how alone she must have felt, how scared. But even though she may have been feeling all those things and may not have been able to be fully present because of everything she was going through, I did not feel alone as a one-year-old because I had my sister there. And to this day, my sister has been the one person who has been there for me through literally every important milestone in my life. For example, I was the only person on any of my family to graduate college. And I was so excited. I had overcome a lot to get to that point. And if you watched my live, I touched on this a little bit. I got pregnant my last year of college. I had to postpone my student teaching for a semester because I was due with my first child the same week I was supposed to student teach, which was my last semester to finish my degree. So um, I had worked so hard. I was so excited. I was so proud of myself. And the only person who came to the Nashville area to watch me walk across the stage in person was my sister. My ex-husband, who I was married to at the time, took a trip to China to see his dad the same week that I graduated college. And I had a, I think he was eight months old at the time, eight or nine months. I had an eight or nine month old son. And I was like, I want to walk across the stage, but I don't know if I can like carry him across. And so my sister flew out to watch me and support me. And it meant so much to me because I was like, she literally is always there for me. And um, my mom was really sick at the time. So that is why they weren't able to make it. They still watched online, but it's just my sister literally is the one who is physically always there for me. And then same with when I had both my kids, she came to the hospital, she stayed after, helped me with the kids. Um, When I had my second child, Maddie, my ex-husband who I was married to at the time, the day that she was born, he flew to Las Vegas to spend time with his family because his sister was getting married that weekend. So my sister was there. She stayed in the hospital with me that first night. Uh, My parents were also in town that time and they were taking care of Steven. And so um, just thinking to like my own kids then. So when I was 25, my son was one and, or I'm sorry, my daughter was one and she had Steven. And I was like, how would Maddie feel when she was one? And I'm sure she felt I'm not alone. And Steven, same thing. Like he felt he was not alone because they had each other. And me at 25 though, with a one and a two year old, I felt so alone and so lost. I had given everything to my kids to try to show up as the mom that I wanted to be, to take care of them, especially those first couple months, especially when you have multiple kids, when you're up throughout the night, feeding, changing diapers. And then on top of that, I was also a full-time teacher. And so 
it just okay so coming back looking at the difference between one and 25 at one for me and my kids one years old one year old we do not feel alone because we have family we feel protected we feel safe and then fast forward to 25 this is like a quarter life crisis to where a lot of us are like oh my gosh i don't know who i am and you're just trying to find yourself and some of you may have already started school by 25 some of you may decide you know what college isn't for me and that's okay too and um but 25 is like a year to where i feel like most adults are like oh my gosh i thought i would have my shit figured out by now and at 30 years old i still don't have it figured out and i don't even know if i'm gonna have it figured out at 88 years old but um so like that that was the big like awareness i had is that even though at 25 even though I wasn't as present as I like looking back, I wish I were, I was more present with my kids. They still didn't feel alone. They had each other. And at the end of the day, I was doing the very best that I could where I was at the time. And same with my mom at 18 years old with two kids, a newborn and a one-year-old. I know she did the best that she could. And I really did. I know I talk about like childhood trauma a lot, but that's just part of my healing process. But I really do have so many good memories that far outweigh any of the negative. And um, so even though like my mom may have not felt like she was showing up like she wanted to, or um, like maybe she didn't feel prepared or whatever, or maybe she was feeling lost. My sister and I still didn't feel alone. Like, we had each other. And then, um, so yeah, like, with 25, like, I want to come back to, I know someone asked me the other day, actually, it was one of my students, which is, I love that, so I taught seventh grade for a couple months in 2021, from August to November, because I was trying to find myself after my divorce, and I was like, I really want to help people heal. Like I want to help them learn how to grow and overcome things that are holding them back. And so I did a mindset coach training and became a coach. Um, but life happened and I needed to get some financial stability back and being a licensed teacher. And, um, I already had taught for seven years. I was like, I'll just go back to teaching. And it just lined up because I was like, I want to help 13 year old me, you know, back before I had things happen in my adult years. And so by me teaching seventh grade, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to be able to connect with the students and be the role model that I needed at 13. And so shortly into the school year, I, it was very clear that it was not aligned for me. And I was like, this is not where you need to be. And I actually didn't even give my students a warning. I just kind of like left. I needed to get out of the state. I needed to heal. I had some childhood wounds that were wide open that I was like, okay, I really need to take this time to focus on healing. And so I had one of my students the other day when I posted the question, ask me anything and I'll answer it honestly. And they wanted to know why I was, why I was not a science teacher anymore. So why I left the classroom was because I'm in the season where I am 
finding my truth and I'm being honest with myself and I'm just taking quick action. I'm not waiting for the perfect time because there's not going to ever be a perfect time. And I was really reflecting on this question. Like, why did I leave the classroom? Like, what was it about the educational system or being in the classroom that did not feel aligned? And I was thinking back to kindergarten, our first year, or some of you may have done preschool, but usually your first year in school, you are taught to color inside the lines. And you're taught, don't color outside the lines, make it all pretty and perfect, make sure to stay inside the lines. And that is not aligned with me anymore, you know? And it's like, obviously, as an adult, I'm not worrying about coloring inside the lines, but society has ingrained into us to follow the crowd. Oh, everyone else is getting vaccinated. Make sure you get vaccinated. Don't stay outside the lines. Or, oh, everyone else has a stable job. Don't be an entrepreneur. That's too risky. It's dangerous to color outside the lines. And it's like, no, that doesn't align with me. And then even to like the way that they're taught to stand in line, like they're taught to walk in a straight line, one by one, one in front of the other. Don't waver from the path. Don't get out of line. Go where everyone else is going. This is the correct way to go. You have to stand on this side of the road. And it's like, there's so many different rules and structures. And I started questioning why. Why do we have to walk in a straight line? Why do we have to be quiet? And I understand it's to kind of, you know, control some of the chaos. There's other people learning. We don't want people to get hurt. But it's like, even if you stand in a straight line, kids are still going to talk. Kids can still trip on each other or run into something, you know? And um, like, to me, I believe in like freedom. And it's like, why can't we just walk next to our friend if we want to, you know? And then um, I feel like school also teaches students, like if you don't fit in, or maybe it's more peers teach, if you don't fit in with the rest of the crowd, then there's something wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with you. It's actually your superpower to be unique because every single person is different from the other. The ones who are fitting in with the crowd are really just the ones who are not staying true to themselves. Think on that. The ones who are in the in crowd or the popular crowd are the ones who are bending their truth to camouflage and fit in with someone else's truth. And why is that? What is the purpose? For most of us, we would answer to be accepted, to be loved, to have belonging. And to me, I want to teach people that by being yourself, Your genuine, authentic self is where you're going to find and attract the most authentic love because you're going to attract people who love you for you, not what you're pretending to be. Another thing that didn't really align with me in education is that we box in potential with this one-size-fits-all education. There's one right answer. We're taught to literally teach them that there's only one right answer and that is not fucking realistic in life sometimes there's more than one answer and sometimes there actually all the time there's no right or wrong answer it's whatever feels right for you and only you know what the right answer is and there's more than one way to show what you know other than like a test or grades i could not stand grades. I literally would take the bare minimum amount of grades because I'm like, 
I learn more about what they know by having a conversation with them, by observing them, by watching them, by seeing their creations, by seeing how they're interacting with their peers. That teaches me more about what they know than a test or a homework assignment. And um, something else is that failure is taught as a bad thing. If you get an F, that means you failed. And we look at that with a negative lens when really the only way to know what you don't know is to get it wrong, is to fuck up and make a mistake. That's the only way you're going to learn and grow. So if you're not failing, you're not growing. Think about a time in your life where you felt like you failed or someone else told you you failed. That's probably where you learned the most important lesson. For me, when I felt like the most failure was when I was cheating on my husband during my marriage. And that taught me, this is not who I want to be. Obviously, I'm struggling to love myself because I'm seeking love in other people. And so I learned so much from that experience. And had I not cheated on him, I would have blamed him for my insecurities, for my lack of love, when really it was me who didn't love myself. Something else in the school system that drove me nuts was that students and faculty and parents sometimes would think that teachers are supposed to know everything. And there's some teachers who don't want to admit that they don't know the answer. I was honest with my students. And if I didn't know, I'd be like, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know that yet. Why don't we look it up together? Or why don't we read back and dig deeper and figure out what what this means? But I believe I'm a lifelong learner. And honestly, I learned so much from my students. My students knew so many things that I didn't know. And when teachers have this, like, I know it all, I'm the authority figure mentality, then there's no room for growth. And when we're just all open to being learners, we get to learn from each other. Another thing that I could not stand about the school system is that a quiet classroom was viewed viewed as a successful classroom when really kids and students are going to learn the best when they are up and moving around, when they're doing, when they're collaborating, when they're connecting, when they're teaching others. And I loved teaching science because I got to do that a little more, but I still would be scared to do that. Like, I would be thinking, what if the principal walks in right now? What if admin walks in? What are the teachers thinking when they walk by? And it's a mess in here. And I even put this poster on my door and it was like, excuse the mess, um, something about like it being loud and messy, but we're learning in here, something along those lines. And yeah, it's like the only way to learn is to make messes. When kids are making messes, that is a sign that they're learning. When they're talking with each other, they're learning from each other. Whether they're on topic or not, they're learning something. And um, the only way to learn is to actually do. So the one who's doing all the talking is doing the most learning in the classroom. And so another thing was that school, or at least the school I was at, their goal was to prepare students for college. And like I said, I went to college. I was the only one in my family who did, but I never wanted to go to college until I met my ex-husband when I was 13. And 
since I knew him, he was just talking about college and his dad was talking about college and my school was talking about college. And I was like, fuck, I guess I should go to college. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but (laughs) I guess I need to go. And I really wanted to be a writer. Since I was younger, I wanted to be a writer. I loved talking (laughs) and I loved learning and teaching other people things. And instead of doing that, I went to nursing school and I chose nursing because my ex-husband told me, if you want to be a mom, you need to be a nurse or a teacher so that you can be home for the kids. Um, I'm sorry. They're both of our, like mine and my ex-husband's kids. Like, why do I have to choose a limited career choice just to be a mom? It's like, no, you can do whatever you want to do and still be a parent. You know, like if you want to start your own business, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be a musician, if you want to travel, if you want to be a mindset coach, whatever you want to do, you can do it and still be a good mom or dad. And so I don't believe college is for everyone. I don't. I really don't. And actually, I'm still paying $12,000 back on my student loans from my degree that I graduated from in 2014. And with my career path, it was going to take me a very long time to pay back those student loans. And so to me, I feel like college is so overpriced and it's a way for the system to make money and to teach people how to stay in that system. Another thing about school is that they don't teach you the life lessons, the shit that actually matters. They teach you information, but they don't teach you what to do when you're struggling with depression, when you have to pay your bills and how to budget, how to raise a family, how to navigate divorce, how to overcome trauma, how to start your own business, how to do anything in life that deals with humanity, like humans being humans, navigating life, emotions, making mistakes, how to grieve the death of a relationship, the death of a loved one, the death of a dream. They don't teach you those things. And so I wanted something more. I wanted to be able to teach people and I wanted to learn from people, but I wanted to do it in my own way. I wanted to teach them lessons that I have been through, that I know something about that could actually help them because there's no school in in school that teaches some of this stuff and it doesn't actually matter what grade you get because that's not going to show you how successful you're going to be in life some of the people who have failed the most have made the most progress and success and also in school we are taught to not bend the rules to not question authority when really If something's not working, why can't we question it? Why can't we look at alternatives? Why does it have to be because this is how we do it? Because this is how it's always been? Because I said so? No, fuck that. 
And then also, I feel like students are taught to strive for perfection, to get an A, to get perfect attendance, to be a shining student, to move their clip up, to get stickers on a sticker chart, to get tickets, rewards, and for following rules and being quote-unquote good, they're rewarded. But we don't teach them it's okay to have a day where maybe you're just, you're not feeling it, you know? You have some stuff going on. Why don't we teach them it's okay? Today, you're throwing a temper tantrum as a five-year-old. Why don't we look at why this is happening? What's going on? Instead of punishing them, kids who get into fistfights in middle and high school, instead of sending them to the principal's office and then secluding them either at home or in the office, why don't we talk about what's happening? How did it get to this point? What are you feeling? What was the situation? How can I be here to support you? And let you know that you're allowed to show up authentically. Obviously, we don't want to encourage people to hurt others, but hurt people hurt other people. So if someone is hurting someone else, it's because they're hurting emotionally. So let's get to the core of that. Going along with that, I feel like students put so much pressure on themselves to perform to what their parents want them to do. And they're comparing themselves to other peers, and they're comparing their success to others. Instead of just focusing on them and allowing themselves to just be while also working on growing. So with all that being said, you don't have to stay on the path that you started. If you want to take a detour or if you want to reroute or go a completely different direction, that's completely your decision. You don't have to finish what you started. I started nursing school. It wasn't working for me, and I changed paths. I taught for eight years. I didn't even make it through the last two school years that I taught, and I decided this is not for me. You don't have to wait until someone else gives you permission. You can just go and do and be. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Listen to yourself. And the only way to learn to listen to yourself is to really connect with yourself and peel back all the layers of other people's expectations and the things that other people gave you that are not really your truth. Into my marriage, I, it wasn't working. Neither of us were happy We had hurt each other so much, and even before I got married, I knew that wasn't the right decision for me, and you don't have to stay in it for the kids, because guess what? Sometimes that hurts them more than just parting ways and healing. So if you're feeling lost, I invite you to connect with yourself. I want to remind you, you are not alone. There are people around you who will always be there for you. And if you don't have a person like that in your life, like I did with my sister, I want to be that person for you. I want to have a sisterhood, soul sisters, for you to come to for advice, for you to show up authentically, for you to talk about the shit that no one talks about, 
for you to feel like you have someone to encourage you, inspire you, to call you out when maybe you just are needing some other perspectives. But I want to provide a safe space with a tribe for single moms to come connect and find themselves and to get back to joy in life, just like you were when a kid, when you were a kid. I want you to connect with your inner child, to hold space for your inner child and to heal. So if any of this is resonating and you want to know more, I just launched a platform through an app and it's called the shit that nobody talks about tribe and it's geared for moms who have lost themselves in motherhood or in marriage and they're needing help navigating some difficult life challenges and it I don't have all the answers that's why I want it to be a community to where we all can learn from each other we can be there for one another so you don't feel alone and we can grow together. I hope you have an amazing Friday. If you're one of my former students and you're listening to this, I love you guys so much. I miss you. And hopefully now with the circumstances, I can help teach you the shit that nobody talks about that actually matters.